Find your next fall adventure in Fairfax County at the National Museum of United States Army. Take a turn on the tank simulator. Feel your seat rumble in their 300-degree theater. Then step outside to enjoy the fall colors from their outdoor dining area and rooftop Medal of Honor garden. Discover your fall adventure at the National Army Museum. Open seven days a week. Free admission and parking right off I-95. Get free tickets at usarmymuseum.org. Thank you for joining us. You are listening to a ministry of Crossview Church with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. Uh, It's great to have you guys here this morning. Open your Bibles to Philippians. Uh, We're looking at Philippians chapter 4 today. Uh, We've been on this journey where we've been discovering about what Paul was trying to enlighten the church in Philippi to. And the title and the subject matter of this series is called Overwhelmed. Uh, and that's funny that that song says, I can see that going home. Look, I don't know about you, but I am ready to go home to heaven after everything that's going on, right? You know, but not too soon. I don't want to die today. So, uh, but I'm just saying we can get overwhelmed in life, right? It seems like uh, the world is getting crazy, getting crazy out there. Uh, every day we turn on the news, we hope for something good, and we always probably wind up finding something not so good. In our world today, it's easy to get caught up in anxiety. It's easy to get overwhelmed with fear. It's easy to be paralyzed in life and to um, kind of stumble back and be like, wow, I just don't know what I got hit by. On top of all the things that are going on with the pandemic, we have financial crisis that are hitting. We have individuals who are without jobs, individuals who uh, are watching as they're trying to figure out how they're going to make their mortgage payment, how they're going to make their car payments. Uh, On top of all that, We have individuals that relationship-wise are being broken down, marriages that are being broken, and and relationships that are going in the wrong direction. So there's lots of reasons why we're overwhelmed. There's a reason why we probably live in the highest anxiety-ridden society of all times. Because we see all. We know what goes on on the other side of the world. If there's something that takes place in another country around the world, we see it within seconds of it happening. And it just seems like it's continually getting worse and worse. But I want to just give you some good news. The good news, we're no different than any other generation in history. Where there, is, where there are human beings, there's going to be chaos There's going to be heartache. There's going to be anxiety. Wherever men or women are in control, it seems like chaos follows. And why that is is because we are flawed. We're not perfect. We don't make perfect decisions. We don't enact on perfect ways. We don't act perfectly. We, in fact, many times don't act the way that maybe we're supposed to. And this series has all been kind of helping us work through the the feelings and the emotions that maybe right now you're feeling consumed by. And how to not, we're learning how not to be overwhelmed. Remember, this letter, it's not a book, it's a letter in Philippians. It's written to the church from Paul, the church in Philippi. And remember what is going on in Paul's life, what's happening to him. Well, he's been arrested. He's been falsely accused. He actually is facing his execution sometime in the future. 
Um, they don't have a cer certain timeline of when that's going to take place. But for two years, he is in chains in a Roman prison. He's cold, he's old, and he's shackled to another Roman guard for every single hour, every single minute of the day, he's shackled. And every four hours, they bring a new Roman guard in to take over for that position. He's under what they call house arrest. It, it, it's, it actually is equivalent to the ankle bracelet of our day would be what Paul had in his day, but it was a human being attached to the other end. Not a fun place to be in. Yet, in this personal, practical, powerful letter, Paul says 17 times, rejoice in the Lord. Have joy that no one can take away. Unshakable joy. Be glad for the circumstance you're facing. How can a man in the circumstance that he is in not be overwhelmed but to find tranquility and peace? We've learned over the last several weeks how to enjoy life. We've learned how to handle conflict. We've learned how to find different joys in our life, even though the circumstance around us is not so joyful. We've learned how to succeed in life. Today, I want to talk to you about contentment. Turn to your neighbor and say contentment. Now, of all people in all the world that would write something about contentment, I would think Paul would be the last person to do it. Doesn't really have a whole lot of contenting things going on in his life. It's much like uh, the man who wanted to go into the monastery and become a monk. And so he, he joined the monastery, and they had it. It was a quiet monastery. They were unable to talk. They could not talk. They had to be silent all the time. And every 10 years, they got to speak two words. 10 years, they got two words after 10 years. First 10 years come by. I know some of you, your heads would blow off not talking. You're like... Two words. I speak two words the minute I wake up, you know, or while you're asleep. Uh, he's got two words. So after 10 years, he sits down at the table and he's, they, he gets his 10 words. And his, his two words, I'm sorry. His two words were bed, bad. That was his two words. 10 years later goes by. He gets two more words. He says, food, bad. Ten more years go by, now 30 years later, they give him two more words, and he says, I quit. <laughs> and the head monk said, well, I should guess so. All you've done is complain for 30 years. <laughs> Today, we want to talk about how to enjoy and find satisfaction in life. The old song that says, I can't get no satisfaction. We live in a world that's full of dissatisfied people. Nobody really is content in their life. You get a new phone, six months later, you want the newer phone. Because this phone is a little bit different than that phone. You get a, a new car, you love your new car, take care of your new car, until you see someone else's new car, and then you want their new car. You get a, a house that you've always dreamed of, always wanted to have, and then a few years later, 10 years later, you start looking for another house you're dreaming about. Why? Because we're never satisfied. 
It's the, it's the curse of the human condition. It started way back in the garden. It's nothing new. Adam and Eve had everything they ever wanted. God created everything they could ever desire or need in their life. He gave them all the food, everything they ever could want. They never had to work for it. And yet they were what? Dissatisfied. They wanted something more. They thought God was holding out on them. They thought God has a secret. He's not letting me in. I want to discover the secret. What is the secret of satisfaction? What is the secret of how to satisfy our life? The fact is you're going to battle contentment from now into the grave. Every single one of us are going to battle contentment. Contentment is the I believe the number one competitor that will try to compete and try to get you dissatisfied, that you start looking other places to find fulfillment in your life. And Paul talks about that. Here's what he says. Open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. We're going to read a couple of verses here. It says this. Paul, again, when really said, he's in prison, shackled to a guard. Here's how he starts this verse out. It says, I rejoiced. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned. I don't know where this is going here. Let me see. Oh, I'm coming up on it. Uh, I have more than what that has. But you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying, I am not saying that I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance I know what it is to, have, to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned, I have learned the what? I have learned the, say it again, I have learned the secret. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Father God, help us today to hear your word and be changed by it. Help us to understand what it means to be content in truly a world full of discontentment. In a world that's competing, in a world that's trying to get the bigger and better and newer things, God, may we truly discover contentment in you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, last, verse, last part of that verse says, you guys have that verse 13 or no? We don't have it? Okay, well, I'll read it out loud anyway. Thanks, buddy. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. It says, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all these things through him who gives me strength. What is contentment? Here's contentment. Contentment is not apathy. Contentment is not laziness. Contentment is not complacency. Contentment is this. Contentment is independent of your circumstances. Contentment is finding a peace that transcends the external circumstances. Contentment is when everybody else is going that way, you're content with sitting still or going the other way. When the world says you need this, when the world says you got to have that, when the world says get more, get more, get more, you say I have plenty, I am Content. I am content with where I'm at. Life is a school teaching us how to be content. The question is, how well are we learning? 
Are we learning how to be content? Because let me tell you something, it's not a spiritual gift. It's not a fruit of the Spirit. Contentment is something we have to learn. We have to learn how to be content. It does not come natural. So I want to give you four lessons on how we have a satisfying life and how we can find abundant life and find contentment in our life. Number one is this. Here's the first thought I have for you. Learn to avoid comparisons. Learn to avoid comparing yourself to other people. I say this in my weddings that I, when I do them, I say this. I have several points that I give them. One of my points, you're going to hear a lot of them in this today. One of my points is this, water your lawn. What does that mean? That means you can always look at somebody else's lawn and say, wow, they have a really green lawn. Look how there's no weeds there. Man, it's really nice. You know why it looks that way? Not by, nat by nature. It looks that way. Why? Because they took care of their lawn. So in this, we can't look at the other husband or the other wife and say, well, I wish my husband was like that, or I wish my wife was like that. I wish they did that. You can't live that way. Because the minute you do, you become discontent, right? You become dissatisfied with your life when you compare. Second Corinthians says it this way. We don't look around at what, what we see right now. The troubles are all around us. It says, but we look forward to the joys in heaven. The troubles will soon be over, but the joys that come will last what? forever. We don't compare ourselves to other individuals or other things around us. The, see, there's three misconceptions of happiness. Number one, the first misconception is, I must have what others have to be happy. That's a lie. A lot of people have a lot of stuff and they're still unhappy, right? More stuff, more headache, more problems. Right, Kibble? Amen, that's right. I've always said, I don't have to have a boat. I'll have three friends who have a boat, and I'll get to pick of those friends when I want to go out with them, and they can deal with the maintenance of that boat. Smart thinking right there. I'm fully content they have a boat. Enjoy your boat. I bless your boat, but let me on your boat when I want to go out. I'm content. First misconception is I must have what others have to be happy. The second misconception is I must be liked by everyone in order to be happy. Man, if you think you're ever going to be liked by everyone, you're sorely mistaken. People will find something not to like about you any given time. And sometimes if you're a people pleaser and you're, just a, you're, you're always going to be discontent because you're always going to be trying to make people happy. Listen, there are some people that just aren't going to like you. I know what some of you are going, what? I'm such a good person. I'm such a sweetheart. Well, apparently, mom, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking in theory. Simmer down. I know that as a, there are times that you want to make people happy, you want to please people, but you're just not going to do it, especially in the world in which we live. I mean, think about this. There's people that, okay, are just absolute, have to wear masks, and people who aren't, right? It's amazing how a mask thing could divide our country like it has. 
There's a philosophy out there that says, well, I want people to like me, or I don't want people to like me, I care less. The fact is, we are never going to make everyone happy. So do what your conviction is about, and if you have a conviction, don't force that on somebody else. They may not agree with you. It's okay. When, does it, when, when did we, I'm going super sonic high here, when did we get so soft that we can't talk about stuff and not get our little feelings hurt? Why are we so, we're wusses. Am I right? We can't. You know, well, I'm a Democrat and Republican. Okay, can you have a, a civilized debate about being Democrat or Republican? You should be able to, but you can't. You can't even be public about where you stand on things because if you do, you get shunned, right? Listen, we got to grow up. We have, we have raised a bunch of snowflake feather people that, well, don't hurt my little ego. Your ego needs to be hurt. You know why? I'm, 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 I'm he's totally serious here. You know why? Jesus was crushed. No one gave a rip about his ego. He was crushed. His ego, he put everything out on the line. We are going to be okay that someone disagrees with us or someone doesn't like us. It's not going to end our world. Love them. Move on. And just find someone else to love you, someone else to be happy for you, okay? All right, I'll get off my soapbox now. <laughs> Third misconception is this, having more will make me more happy. You know these people? If I get more and have more, I'll be happier. First Timothy says this, godliness with contentment is a great gain. For we brought nothing in this world, we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing... We are content with that. All our possessions are temporary. Everything you have now is going to be passed down to the next person that could care less about it. The things you value now and you hold dear to your heart. You never had somebody give you a gift that was dear and, and, and just so sentimental to them. And you're like, yeah, thanks. Yeah, I've had it. Things that I think are dear, you know, that my kids should cherish. They go, Dad, that is a piece of junk. Well, it's dear to me, you know. The root problem of comparing is I compare. The, the root problem is comparing myself to others will always leave us dissatisfied. Second thought is this. Learn to adjust to change. Learn to adjust to change. By a show of hands, how many of you guys in here just absolutely enjoy change. Like you can't wait for change to happen. Change, you love change. You wake up in the morning and say, give me change. And by the end of my day, I want to see change. Anybody want change? Yeah, that's what I thought. Three in the whole place. None of us like change. Not a, not a one of us like change. Nobody in here. We are creatures of what? Habits. We like our little lane, let's stay in our lane. You stay in your lane, I'll stay in my lane, let's not cross. We are creatures of habit. And because we are creatures of habit, we don't want to adjust to change emotionally, physically, mentally, financially. But the fact is, the thing that is absolute certain, change is inevitable. Change is going to come. Paul said, change is going to come. Learn to adjust. Learn to be flexible 
with the change. Verse 12, he said this way, I know it is to be in need. I know it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Paul learned to bend. Why does an oak tree grow as tall as it is? How does an oak tree stand in the middle of a hurricane-force wind? Because it learns to bend with the wind so the roots stay steady. It learns to adjust. It doesn't stoutly say, why do buildings fall in a hurricane? Because they don't bend, and the wind wins. We, as, as Christ followers, need to learn to adjust to the changes, the ever changes of life. Kids do this very well. You ever notice that? Kids are just very, eh, they change. Okay, all right, we'll move on. Let's make next thing. We need to learn to adjust to the changes in life. See, there's three kinds of circumstances in life. Those that you can control and you do control. Those you can't, you can control, but you don't control those. And the last one are things that you just can't control. The things you just can't control, learn how to bend and adjust with change. Sometimes we have to adjust not to circumstances, but we have to adjust to people. You don't always have to be right. You know who you are. Don't look at them. Don't point at them. Don't elbow them. They know who they are. You don't always have to have the last word. You don't always have to be on top. You can adjust and you can change. Romans says it this way, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible, whatever you can do, adjust to change. The key to adjusting to change, I believe, is a sense of humor. You have to laugh at sometimes, sometimes just things in life are so silly. You got to laugh at them, right? You better have a sense of humor. You better have a sense of humor when life hits you hard and just kind of say, well, God must know I can handle it. You have to be able just to laugh through some very difficult, trying times. And you're not laughing out of a, out of a sense of you're crazy because people will look at you like crazy. But you're not laughing like you're, you're laughing because you know that God is somewhere in the background working something out. If you don't adjust, you'll break. You must adjust. So, number one, learn to avoid comparison. Number two, learn to adjust to change. Number three, it's a good one. Learn to draw on Christ's power. Learn to draw on the power of Christ. Here is, here is what Paul says, verse 13. I love this part. It says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And I've referred to this to you, with you guys many times through the years. Whenever you don't know what to do, when you don't know what to pray, whenever life hits you hard and you're doing your best to adjust and to, to kind of find your footing, you do the what I call ten-fingered prayer. If you can't remember any other prayer, remember this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Ten-finger prayer. Do it with me. Let's do it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
That is the power. That's the secret. Paul said earlier in his verses, he said in verse 11, he says, I have learned the secret of being content. What's the secret? He just told you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul's in chains. Paul's shackled to a prison guard. Paul's every day. He's getting older. He's, he's closer and closer to his death. In this future, he doesn't know what it holds. He's adjusting. He's acclimating. But he says, listen, whether well-fed, whether I'm hungry, whether I'm rich, whether I'm poor, it does not matter where I'm at. What matters is that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No matter what, your health fails. I can do all things. Your marriage fails. There's more month and bills than there is money in the bank. I can do all things. Through Kevin... See, because as a human, as, as, a, as a man, I must make a way. Right, gentlemen? Got to make a way. Get another job, do some blah, 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 blah. We come up with all these solutions. But no, no, it doesn't say Kevin. It says through Christ who strengthens me. A loved one is sick. Believe that Christ can do the miracle. Loss of a job, loss of a house. We're going to be content because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. How do you know if you're doing it in your own self? How do you know if you're doing it in your own power? Well, here's how you know. You're weak, you're fatigued, you're tired all the time. You sleep a lot. You, you have to regenerate because why? You're doing it in your own power. When we do it in our own power, we become weary, we become tired. When we try to fix it, we find ourselves at a worse place. I've quoted this verse so many times, but here's what Amplified verse says, Version says it this way. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. That is, I am what? He says, I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am solely relying on Christ's power. You need a miracle today? You need God to do something powerful in your life? You need him to, uh, uh, to heal uh, maybe a body, a physical ailment that you're going through? Listen, you and the doctors do not have the answers, but Christ is the sole provider of the power. You need him to do something, uh, a miracle in your finances. You try to figure out how to move the numbers around and how to, how to maneuver them and get them over here. No, no, no. Christ is the power. That word sufficiency is actually comes from the word dunamos, which is in the Latin, is our word for dynamite, and it means a blasting power that comes through. See, Paul, in his own life, Paul had a problem that we see through Scripture. Paul had something he struggled with, and we don't think about this when we think about Paul, but Paul said three times, 
He had something that was really bothering him, and he wanted Christ to take it away from him. Wanted Christ to heal him. We don't know exactly what it was. But he says this. Paul's crying out to God and asking God to take it away, and, 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 and God responds to Paul, and he says, Hey, Paul, my grace, my power is sufficient for you. Stop focusing on that and focus on me. Learn to avoid comparison. Learn to adjust to change. Learn to draw on Christ's power. And number four, the last thought is this. Learn to trust God to meet your needs. Learn to trust God to meet all your needs. Verse 19 in, in Philippians says this. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. My God will meet all your needs. See, when we're insecure in life, whenever we're discontent in life, is because we put our security and our contentment in the wrong things. If you have put your contentment in your spouse, or if you have tried to find completeness in your spouse, they'll always leave you high and dry. I tell this to newlyweds. Christ completes us. He's our completion. If you try to focus on, if your job is your source of you know, oh, I work at such and such. And you lose your job, you lose your identity. You lose who you are. You forget that Christ is the only one that can satisfy us in life. Your relationships go sour. Your job fails. Your hobbies that, that you thought were going to complete you, they don't do it. Why? Because we must trust Jesus to supply all of our needs. Matthew 6, 31, 33, it says, so do not start to worry. Where will you find food? Where will it come from? Or my drink or my clothes? It says your heavenly father knows the need. Instead of being concerned about everything else in God's kingdom, he will provide for you all those other things. So focus on him. PGF. Put God first. Grew up with a show on TV. It had an old Western guy. He had a, his badge. Had PGF. Put God first. And watch all these other things come to you. Avoid comparison. Adjust to change. Draw upon Christ's power and trust that he'll meet you and all your needs that you ever have. He's a good God. The secret of being content, I can do all things through, through, who, Father, help us today. Help us to learn. You are our sufficiency. In a world that's competing for our souls, in a world that entices us with ads for the next best thing, in a world that, that paints a picture of a perfect home and, and, and two kids and a perfect husband and wife, God, may we learn that God so many times those things are untrue and all we can do is water our lawn where we're at. 
grow where we're at, find peace where we're at. God, teach us. Would you teach us how to be content, God? We must learn it. It will save our lives. It will change us, God, from the inside out. You've been listening to a ministry of Crossview Church in Keokuk, Iowa with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. For more information about service times and activities, visit our website, crossviewkeokuk.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.